we've been dealing with it for 15 years now. And the beginning was, you know, I thought it was hard at, th- at that point. But as you go along, both emotionally and physically, it gets harder. This is Still Here, a podcast from WFAE that asks, what does resiliency look and feel like to you? And how have you felt and been impacted by the COVID-19 pandemic? Well, I spent the, you know, the whole day with two different kids at the, at the hospital. So I guess if that's not resilience, uh, nothing really is. What helped you overcome challenges you faced? And what did you do to cope? One of the things that I wish we would have done earlier than we did is ask for more help. I'm Sarah Dalia. In today's story, we hear from a father in Concord about navigating life as a caregiver to his two sons during the pandemic. When Chris Hawkins and his family celebrated what would have been his son Brandon's 24th birthday in July, they wanted to make sure they had his favorite dessert a three-layer chocolate cake. Chris posted a picture of it on his Facebook page, a single slice with a small blue birthday candle that was lit. The caption he wrote to go with the image, gone but not forgotten. Love you, son. You know, he loved to eat, and and that was his spot at the table where he normally sat. So it was something that that I wanted to do to, uh, to honor him that day. Chris looks for these moments, the kind that balance the sweet with the sad, which is not easy for his family to do, pandemic or not. About 15 years ago, his sons Brandon and Jeremy were diagnosed with Batten disease, an inherited rare genetic disorder. Chris and his wife Wendy learned they were carriers when their sons were diagnosed. Usually manifest around five or six years old where they start showing symptoms. Um, There's always the blindness. There's always the degeneration of physical skills, walk, talk, even swallow. There's no cure for it. It's always a fatal disease. Dementia and seizures are also symptoms. Before they started to show signs, Brandon and Jeremy were seemingly healthy young kids. Brandon was always running around, Chris says, and Jeremy, at the age of four, was the star of his soccer team. Brandon was diagnosed first, then Jeremy. Ever since then, it's been a slow decline in health for both brothers. But in the last two years, Brandon's health took a significant turn. There were times when Brandon became erratic and Chris and Wendy had to make difficult decisions. He tore the shades off the wall. He was pulling the bookcase over. We ended up pulling everything out of the room to uh, accept the bed to keep him safe. And in 2020, Brandon's seizures increased. At times, he refused to eat, which led to multiple hospital trips. Chris said it was eerie walking through the hospital during a pandemic. He worried about not getting to the hospital soon enough. And he also worried about spending too much time there. Was I risking bringing COVID back to our house? by being in the hospital with him. Those things went through my mind. Whenever we were in the hospital with Brandon that last year, you know, it was um, trying, it was stressful because of COVID um, and what was, what was going to happen. As caregivers, it's been a struggle for Chris and Wendy to maintain their mental health and to engage in any kind of self-care. Chris worked for Wells Fargo as a relationship manager that worked within a call center. He started to work from home at the beginning of 2020, but that didn't last long. 
you know, in a call center, you're supposed to be on the phone or ready to take a call 93% of your day. That just doesn't work when you've got two kids in, in my position. So it stressed me out. The fact that I wasn't able to perform my job duties because I was busy caregiving or neglecting the caregiving because of doing the job duties. Chris went on short-term disability for six months. That turned into long-term disability as Brandon's health declined. He ended up at the end uh, uh, having four different seizure meds that he took every day, twice a day, um, to keep the seizures away. In October 2020, Brandon was placed on in-home hospice care. It gave the family relief, Chris says. Nurses and aides came to the family's home to help provide that care for Brandon. The rest of 2020 into the majority of February of this year was spent with in-home hospice care. But Brandon was not going to get better, and his seizures continued. In late February, the family knew Brandon needed more care, so they moved him into a hospice facility. Brandon, who was over six feet tall, had dropped from 235 pounds to 88 pounds in two years. Chris remembers seeing Brandon in the facility the day before he died. He was in rough shape, he says. Chris wanted to stay, but had to come home and help take care of Jeremy. The next day, Chris was eating breakfast and getting ready to head back to the hospice facility. It was 6 a.m. when the phone rang, which he knew wasn't a good sign. Brandon had passed away. I told him that night before I left that he could go. He didn't have to fight anymore. And so um, I think that he took that to heart. He suffered a lot those last few weeks. I don't think it's ever going to get easier when you talk about your child. Your parents passing, you expect it. You don't expect to outlive your kids. And that's, um, that's hard. Brandon's younger brother, 20-year-old Jeremy, doesn't ask a lot of questions around his death. He understands Brandon's gone, but it's hard to tell how Jeremy is processing it. He knows that Brandon passed away. He hasn't really talked about it a lot. It's it actually, my therapist gave me that, uh, we talked about that last week, and he said, I want you, before we meet next time, to, to just ask him. Does Jeremy understand that he has a disease and that he will die young? Yeah. We've, we've answered those type of questions. We've said, you know, if you ever need to talk about it, talk to us about it and we'll answer your questions. We decided early on that we were never going to, you know, lie about or tell a, tell a mistruth about it, but we would, we'd answer the question. There's no easy next step with any of this. Jeremy has long struggled with speech difficulties and communication seems to be getting worse. It's like anybody with a speech impediment, um, if you're around them a lot, you can usually pick up what they're saying with a little bit of context. That's even gone away for Wendy and I. We just, I sometimes I just throw my hands up in the air. I'm sorry, son. I don't, you know, I don't know what you're saying. Um, And he's frustrated and I'm frustrated and uh, because I can't help him. But both Chris and Wendy are helping their son the best way they know how. Resiliency has taken on a whole new meaning. It's letting go of having a perfectly clean house or expecting life to look a certain way. I don't stress about it as much if the dishes pile up in the sink, the 
floor doesn't get vacuumed for a couple of weeks or months, maybe. You're, you mentally have to change your thinking about what's important. You adjust. Resiliency is also prioritizing their sons and their safety. And it's also about knowing when to ask for help. Chris says he wishes they would have leaned on friends and their church earlier for support. It's something they learned from Brandon's passing, and it's a lesson they want to take with them as they help Jeremy live out his life for however long that may be. I'm Sarah D'Elia. This is Still Here. If you have a story idea for Still Here, email me at sdalia at wfae.org. Find me on Twitter at Sarah WFAE, and that's Sarah with an H. Still Here is produced and reported by me and edited by Greg Collard. Our theme music was composed and produced by Patrick Bowden and Patrick Lee. Together, they make Patrick Otto. Our really beautiful logo was made by Matthew Scott. Learn more about the series at wfae.org slash still here. Subscribe anywhere you find podcasts. Still Here is powered by Ortho Carolina. Thanks for listening.